Heart. You gotta have heart. Miles and miles of heart. What is heart? Heart is running through a return man when the game is on the line. Heart is giving everything you have in practice, day after day. Heart is finding the strength to run down the field one more time when you can barely breathe. The heart in me pumps Husker Red. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of the Five Heart Podcast, brought to you by Coordination.com, a legacy member of the Jittery Monkey Podcast family at JitteryMonkey.com, where you can also go to the shop and get some uh, very special Five Heart Podcast merchandise, some shirts and things like that, including Iowa Sucks, uh, and One State Five Heart is a, I want to say it's a popular item over there, but I'm not sure I've sold any of those yet. Uh, You could be the first! And then take a picture and let us, let us use you for free advertising. Right, anyway, uh, back on topic here. And, uh, of course, a member of the SB Nation Podcast Network. My name is Greg Mahochko, and uh, the two legs of the tripod, we're, we're a, leg, a leg short. Uh, Hoss Reuter is here. John Dam Johnston is uh, not returning our messages. So, Hoss, how are you, man? I'm good. How are you tonight, Greg? I'm beat. I hear you. I had a 56-stop day that took about 12 hours to do between two states. I am excited to get this episode going. And no offense to you, no offense to our great listeners who uh, tune in every week for the latest and greatest Husker news and notes and other stories. I'm really excited to get this episode done and over with. (laughs) I hear you, man. I'm right there with you. I, I, I started to get a little, you know, heavy lidded around 8:45 and I was like, oh, we got to re- we got to record a podcast tonight. I said I wanted to record on Tuesday night, so filled up the big tumbler full of water, threw in a dip of Copenhagen mint and, you know, boots to saddles, let's go. And we couldn't record on Thursday. I shouldn't say we couldn't. It would be bad form on my part. That's my wedding Very anniversary. Um, so plan on not being in front of the laptop that evening. Uh, so yeah, got got our work cut out for us uh, tonight. But we do have some things to talk about. I'm looking forward to uh, uh, you know just talking a little football, maybe some non-specific stuff as well. Uh, you saw the topics at least that you know I've been sharing some topics w- with you throughout uh, and John throughout uh, the day and throughout the last couple of days. Where would you like to start? Would you like to start with some Nebraska baseball, or would you like to uh, uh, you know go on some other topics? Well, there's no easing into a street fight. Let's just get the baseball out of the way. <laughs> so uh, the Nebraska baseball team, of course, finishing second in the Big Ten tournament this past weekend, uh, losing Sunday early afternoon or early evening, late afternoon uh, to Ohio State, which always sucks when you lose to Ohio State in any uh, competition. But um, uh, you know, especially for a Nebraska team that had the benefit of. They had a little extra time off. They, you know, played their semifinal uh, game Saturday night, and because all the games it seemed ran long on Saturday, they actually moved the Ohio State Minnesota game to early Sunday. Uh, so you have, uh, and I, I remember the Big Ten uh, network announcers, who I want to say might have been Kevin Kugler, maybe you know, you know, some other familiar names. Uh, they were saying that the uh, relief pitcher who came in worked two and a third or two and two-thirds innings of relief uh, in the championship game, also pitched two and a third or two and two-thirds innings of relief for the save in the game, in the semifinal game against Minnesota, a guy by the name of uh, uh, Magno, Magno. It's not Mango, it's not Magnum. It's one of the, it's a combination of the two. Uh, Mangum? Mangum, yeah. Uh, But, uh, you know, he, he pitched a, Real, you know, had a real solid outing against Nebraska, and, and Nebraska's uh, uh, bats fell silent. Hoss, uh, you know, at the worst times, uh, you know, left a lot of runners on base, uh, especially in scoring position. Just couldn't get, you know, made a little noise, made it a little uh, interesting there, but couldn't get enough going offensively uh, to, mm-hmm. you know, overcome. Just like not being able to stay on the field on third down. And there, everybody's going to look back and, and you know. 
I'm sure it popped up in our comments section in the game thread as well about, you know, a couple of calls that, you know, went against Nebraska. One was a bang-bang uh, play at the plate where it was a opportunity for a Nebraska double play to double up Ohio State after a, what ended up being a sack fly uh, RBI uh, for Ohio State. You know, they had to go back, I think, initially ruling – him out at home plate, the the runner, uh, and then after the review went back and said that no tag was applied, and then you had a few innings after that, a bang-bang play at first base that went against Nebraska, uh, where, and and I should, I, I should get crucified for this, but I'm not going to, you know, stress it too much or, or sweat it too much, but uh, the Nebraska uh, runner was trying to beat out an infield single, uh, and uh, uh Almost, again, bang bang! They went to the replay. They he was called out on the field. Uh, is just like in Nebraska, uh, you know, uh, review rules. It's got to be indisputable evidence, and they couldn't find any to uh, overturn the call. So he was out. And those those are a couple of big uh, moments that go against Nebraska and may have played factors. But at the same time, you know, you gotta uh, you gotta take care of business. You gotta get runners, uh, you know, moved over. You know, and, and, and when they're in scoring position, Haas, you gotta, you, know, you you gotta get them home. You gotta put the ball in play somehow, and, and Nebraska didn't do that. Exactly, you gotta find a way to get it done. Officiating errors are gonna happen. It's a part of the human element of the game. You gotta do more to overcome it. So Nebraska is now a third seed, if I remember correctly, in the Oklahoma State uh, 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 regional, and that's as far as I can tell you. And that's all I care to tell you. So they play UConn oh, to there start. You go. Hot damn! Look what you and got. how about those UNO Mavericks? How about them? They're in in the number one overall seed UCLA regional. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. I learned something new. That's not information I was privy to. Privy? Well, yeah. I'm sure I was privy to it. I just didn't care. You know, as a as a Maverick, you know, you know some things. And what is the uh, – here here with the campus report, Haas Reuter. Haas, tell us a little bit about the excitement level on the campus of the University of Nebraska-Omaha for these Mavericks. Well, there's still no football on campus, so uh, the excitement's <laughs> a little low. But, you know, if people like other sports that, uh, while many people care about, I do not, uh, yeah, excitement's high. I like it. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm all right with that. Um, let I'm us you, man. Parking, ne- parking next to Caniglia Field every day, what used to be their football field, and seeing it as a soccer pitch. It's like that commercial from the 70s about littering with that tear rolling <laughs> down the cheek of a Native American. I was going to ask if... That. I, what was that? I was going to ask if, uh, if every time you look at that, a single tear, tear rolls down, and uh, yep. you, you made the, the perfect reference, so... Well done, sir. Well done. It's a cold, frosty morning in November. You know, there should be a practice going on out there. And, you know, it's somewhere in the distance in the ghetto by Elvis Presley's playing. And, you know, a cold north wind blows. So you said you're drinking water. Yes, I am. I should be drinking water. I'm drinking beer. Fancy Nancy boy beer? Uh, It's a little bougie. It's uh well, what are you drinking? I'm glad you ask. It is a lining Kugels. Okay, it's not terribly bougie. But it is their limited it, edition canoe paddler Kolsch style beer. So it's like upper middle class bourgeoisie. Yeah, we, we we'll call it that. You know, it it's it's got the home with the cul-de-sac, you know, yep. two floors. Uh, Wife, two and a half kids, and a dog. No, uh, not two and a half. Uh, two. Um, a dog, no cats, because cats are the worst. Um, and a fence. Farm cats are the only exception. Fair. Uh, a fence, no pool. That's important. No pool. No pool. Um, but it's it's not bad. Five and a half percent alcohol by volume. Uh, real nice, smooth drinking beer. I, I like Kolsch's. Um. You know, so again, as I mentioned, it is a limited edition. So uh, if if you find it in your where, wherever, this host, this could go for you too. I think you would enjoy the canoe paddler from Lining Kugels. 
Uh, if you see it in your uh, wherever you get beer, uh, that's not a course banquet. Gretna Wine and Spirits. Yeah, I, I bet Shout you. Out there. I bet you that the good folks at Gretna Wine and Spirits, located at uh, Highway 370 and Highway 31. I have confidence that Gretna Wine and Spirits at the 216 Enterprise Drive. Oh, nice. Uh, probably has Line and Kugel's Canoe Paddler. and they, they probably do. They have a nice selection. And one of the clerks, while we're not on a first-name basis, he sees me every Saturday morning in the fall when I roll in there to buy a case <laughs> of course banquet. Talk a little ball for a bit, and then I dip out of there. Sometimes, you know, I'll, be, I'll buy a can of chewing tobacco there. You know, just got to, you know, get all the essentials. What? Since you brought it up, I'm glad you did. I have a dream. Uh, hang hang on. It, it's nothing, you know. That I quit chewing? No, well. That, I was going to say, if that's the case, take a number. <laughs> that's between you, your gums, and your lady friends. Um, <laughs> that, that's, I have no, no part to play in that. But uh, I, I have a dream that, you know, like when I'm 65 plus, when I'm retired... That I can find, you know, so hopefully it's somewhere small town, small town adjacent, where I can just go to a diner, like every Thursday morning, have the same breakfast and coffee and, you know, like see the same faces and and sit there and talk about, you know, probably hell, talk about, you know, the Husker game or, or, you know, if it's in this area, the Cardinals or Blues or, you know, just, you know, the weather. Just I, I want to be one of those old men that goes to the diner every week, sees the same people. And, uh, you know, as the days go by or years go by, that table gets a little more lonely as the as us old guys check out, so to speak. Um, I, that, that's, that's what I want in my olden days. You know what? A, a few years ago, I think it was like finals week in December. I woke up one morning. It was like 4.15, 4.30 in the morning. Just could not fall back to sleep to save my life. So, you know trying to maximize every hour in the day, I thought, fuck it. I'm just going to get up, get ready. I'm going to go eat breakfast before my first class and uh, just go from there. So I went, got all ready, drove into Omaha, stopped at the farmhouse on 84th, just north of I-80. And I was the first customer in the door that morning at like 630. Nice. I sat there. It was still dark outside because it's December and had an omelet, some toast, big old cup of coffee and i sat there thinking to myself you know if college football coaching didn't work out i would totally be the small town football coach who goes and eats breakfast at a diner every morning before uh teaching my first class or before you get those kids in the weight room before class exactly yeah and you know blaring up the uh the zz top and the pearl jam metallica some rap you know and having them do squats and hang cleans and where you get bigger, faster, and stronger and punish the shit out of the competition in the fall. There was, I'm, I'm trying to find, when I was in high school, nobody would ever know this, like, without me saying this, when, when I was younger, uh, it, for two years, like junior and senior year in my high school, which was not a big high school, um, it, I think there were 80, 80, 85 kids that were in my senior class, um, but if you played sports, you could quote unquote opt out of PE for like a weightlifting. I mean, it's it's it's, it's the same hour. It's not like they had you know like one dedicated you know period uh, for weightlifting. But you know instead of uh, you know playing basketball or or something like that, you do uh, you know weightlifting. So uh, myself, you know, I played baseball for you know a couple of years in in high school. Um, you know, I wasn't good, but I was on the team, so I got to lift weights but there was it was the same cd and it got played every day <laughs> and i can't for the life of me but it you would know it, it was like monsters it's just proof that everyone has the same teenage years because i have an exactly same story it, I want, i'm looking for i would recognize it like the album cover if i saw it but it had you know like a, a twisted sister quiet riot ACDC, I mean, it had all of those, you know, bands, the, the hair metal, you know, 
both See, the hair metal bands and the classic we, rock, things like that. And it was all it was all we played every day. We didn't even have like, you know, rock or metal on the CD. It was some mixed CD that I think the gym teacher burned on his home computer. And it had like Hootie and the Blowfish, Let Her Cry. Great song, by the way. Yeah. Uh, Leonard Skinner, Sweet Home Alabama. Chuck Berry's Johnny Be Good. The Final Countdown. John Mellencamp's Cherry Bomb. Okay. And I always remember that one in particular because that was playing the first time I bench pressed 275 pounds. Ooh. Yeah. So and then I remember getting up and going over to do arm curls and Sweet Home Alabama came on. So I found it. I found the album through Google and Wikipedia. It's called The Monsters of Rock. It's a compilation, as I mentioned. It was released June 2nd, 1998 uh, through Razor and Tie label. Uh, 16 tracks on it. Here we go. Are you ready? Let's hear it. Come on, feel the noise. Okay. Once bitten, twice shy. Poison by Alice Cooper. The final countdown. Round and round by Rat. Cherry pie by Warrant. Here, <laughs> here I go again by Whitesnake. Every rose has a thorn by Poison. Uh, Wingers 17. Uh, Cult of Personality by Living Color, which of course would have his greatest claim to fame as being uh, the the theme song by CM Punk in WWE and before. Uh, Twisted Sisters, We're Not Gonna Take It. You've Got Another Thing Coming by Judas Priest. Uh, Cinderella's Nobody's Fool. Hold On Loosely by 38 Special. Turn Up the Radio by Autograph and Sister Christian by Night Ranger. Sister Christian, the time has come. That is the quintessential, like, 90s lifting playlist. And there there was... uh, and and boom, June second, nineteen ninety eight. That would have been the beginning of the summer before my junior year. So that would have been perfectly aligned with. Uh, and by the way, we had a very small weight room, and there were probably thirty, yeah, twenty to thirty kids trying to shuffle around it. Um, so it went it went well. So anyway, uh, off on that tangent, and back to anything else Nebraska baseball related. I don't have anything more. I think we've covered it. Fantastic. Maybe next week we'll get Keith on to talk more about what he saw or, or Evan who was there or I think Nate might have been at the tournament. or, or uh, We had a couple people there representing Coronation because we're credentialed, by golly, and it's just fantastic. Um, so let's talk a little – where are we at time-wise? Let's take a quick timeout. Uh, we come back. We're, we're going to burn through some of our other topics and uh, – I still haven't seen anything from John Dam Johnston, so it might just be Haas and I, but we've got a couple more topics. In fact, one that might upset some of you old school folks is coming up after we sell some bacon and some eggs and maybe some waffles. And some chew. And some chew. Wait, is that a, is that a dip or a chew? <laughs> a chew. Oh, a chew. Welcome back to the Five Heart Podcast. Greg Mahachko, Haas Reuter, and uh, an absentee, John Dam Johnston. And uh, he must be fighting the uh, Barbary pirates over on the shores of Tripoli, or the winos in the back alley. Yeah, maybe there is a wino insurrection. Oh gosh, I don't think he could handle that. That's probably what uh, took him down the first time. Yeah, might, he might have to call in the heavy artillery. Well, speaking of heavy artillery, probably not at all, but I didn't really know how else to segue into this next topic. Haas, you are very familiar, and I think everybody is, and, and, and perhaps even if, even if their only exposure to this particular practice drill happened from playing NCAA college football when that was still a thing, when you could you know start, create a player, have him go through you know on the... Uh, trail for the Heisman or you know road to the Heisman or whatever it was um, you could depending on his position running through various drills and one of them was the Oklahoma drill mm. and it came out just the, uh, late last week I'd say uh, the 22nd that the NFL has officially banned the Oklahoma drill now with concussions and everything else you might think they're a little slow to act on this, but uh, the Detroit Lions were still using the Oklahoma drill as recently as last summer. Um, 
for anybody who's not real familiar or, or you know, may, maybe just want a uh, re- refresher on what it is, uh, you have two linemen, a linebacker, and a running back in an enclosed area. Usually players and coaches are gathered around to watch. Um, and the running back's job is to get past the defenders. You only got one lineman there. Uh, and so it's really, correct me if I'm wrong, Hoss, uh, and you'll, you'd be better suited to answer this question, but it's really more of a, of a drill, less, less so for the running back and more so for the lineman, would you say? Yeah, more so for the lineman, but at the same time, like, in my opinion, the Oklahoma drill has no relevance over to, over to the technical side of football. Um, it doesn't accomplish anything that going good on good in like an inside run period or just live tackling drills can accomplish. Um, for so long, the Oklahoma drill has been something that has just re- really been used to develop, you know, nastiness, grit, you know, things like that. But the reality is the concussion issue that accompanies it is too great and it's not really getting anything done. So, it's been banned at the highest level. Roger Goodell told ESPN uh, of his decision, uh, saying, quote, I think removing some of these drills across all 32 teams is the right way to, to do that. And by that, he means uh, uh, you know, training camps and, and improving, etc. So we also believe by prohibiting some of these drills that will happen at the college and high school and youth football levels, which we believe should happen. So do you think uh, a lot of times you see, you know, maybe the way that, that the, the pro style of playing trickles down to the collegiate level because, hey, you want to get to the pros, you know, a lot of times it helps to have a head start. You, you know, maybe for lack of a better term, maybe that's why the option isn't as popular as it used to be because they, nobody runs the option in, in the pros anymore and, and so on and so forth. Do you think even something like this drill, I mean, is it is it going to be, you know, cut back, you know, at, at, at the lower levels, uh, you know, beneath the NFL? Well, I think it's already been cut back. You don't see, you don't see it happen. You don't see it happening in practices as much as you used to. And really, like I said, you know, what relevance does it have to what you're trying to get done in just a very – limited amount of practice time you can accomplish the same things you know developing nastiness attitude grit all those things by doing an inside run drill at the goal line with your first team offense first team defense or you could do it with half line drills with you have half you know like the play side offensive line and the quarterback and the running back against you know a few defenders you know with even numbers and you try to you know stop the ball carrier get him for attack for loss or prevent him from scoring in a goal line situation. So I think that's the route that a lot of these teams that do utilize it will go if in the NFL. And then if the ban trickles down to the college level, I know we're running it right now under frost. He calls it the Nebraska drill instead of the Oklahoma drill. But you know, that's, you know, he would know better than I, you know, on continuing its usage, but just my personal opinion I'd rather have something that develops nastiness and grit while also being relevant to game preparation. What would be, maybe you have an answer for this, maybe you don't. If you want to develop that, that grit, that toughness, uh, that tenacity, that little, I'm trying to figure out how to. Juice. I was going to say bad attitude. But I'm not opposed to the the use of the word juice in in this context. How how do you go about doing that in in the context uh, in the confines, I guess, of of a modern day football practice, coach? Well, first of all, it's a mindset. You know, if you're going to be a physical nasty program, you know, nasty being within the legal confines context of the game then it's a mindset. It starts from there, and it just it trickles down from 
personal accountability in the weight room, personal accountability in the practice field. And it's something that's just fostered and developed within a culture. And so while the Oklahoma drill may have been the way to really bring that out, really elicit that kind of nastiness, you just find a different way, you know, um, you just find a different way to emphasize that in your practices. You know, maybe, you know, there's limits on contact, you know, in the NFL and, you know, in college, you know, you got you know, you don't want to beat the hell out of your guys. And I think there's even some limits on contact within college football. And there definitely is within high school football. So you just want to make your oper- you know, the most of your limited practice time. And you want to make it relevant to your game preparation. Having linebackers fit against, you know, run plays and, you know, maybe not tackling the ball carrier to the ground at all times, but at least thudding up with them. Practicing tackling drills, you know, body on body. Practicing offensive line blocking, body on body. Milt Tenniper talked about it in his book, The Assembly Line. The 80s and 90s Nebraska teams never used dummies or sleds to practice blocking. They used it on other bodies, you know, other offensive linemen, because a sled or a dummy doesn't, you know, react the same way that a human being does to sure. being blocked and trying to shed a block and, you know, go make a tackle. So you just have to find ways to maximize your time while still trying to reach that end goal of being physical and nasty and, you know, having a reputation as a physical program. Can you give an example? I like this. I I get to ask questions and become informed. All right. So anyway, can you give an example of a, a, let's say a, a college program, let's maybe even try to do a power five college program that meets that criteria of quote-unquote nasty. Oh, you're paying me to say this. <laughs> I'd probably have to go with Wisconsin or Iowa. Okay. Stanford would have been my pick back in like 2012, 13. Their style of play has kind of fallen off. Wisconsin and Iowa... Like you said, it just pains me to say. They just they, their football philosophy is just line up and try to punch you in the mouth. I mean, yeah, it starts uh, from the top of their program. Yeah. Now we know that Kirk Ferentz, all he's doing is whacking people with his tennis ball covered cane anymore. <laughs> um, but that's all right, I guess. Do you, Kirk? Yep. And it's funny, you know. I, I I don't get on Twitter much, period. Um, I get on there a little bit during football season for obvious reasons. Uh, I enjoy the camaraderie and, and you know, the, the communication of, uh, with other Husker fans. But, like, you see some people, some uh, jerk-eye fans who are, you know, just still it's, it's May. It's the end of May, and we won't play Iowa until – the end of Six November, months. and they're just already chirping, and and you know, that, that's the thing we live rent free in e- their heads e- exactly, and and they don't, you know, I I've got family who who lives in Iowa and who has uh, uh, stirred the pot. Did I ever tell that story on 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 the podcast? Uh, you have you okay. Have. Should, should I tell it again or should we just let it go? Yep. Yeah, tell it again. So my boy uh, is three and a half. And when he he was born two days before Christmas in 2015, and for you know the following like so obviously we were in the hospital with him you know actually for a few weeks uh, with him because he was born five weeks early, um, so we missed Christmas that year. And so the next year when he turned one, uh, my aunt and uncle are in uh, not they were not in town, but they had schemed and connived. Uh, knowing that I'm a Husker fan and they live in the heart of Iowa. And uh, they sent like a little one-year, you know, 12-month whatever size uh, Iowa Hawkeye shirt to my sister. And so, like, she has, you know, my son, her nephew, 
you know, it is what it is. And, and they go, they disappear for a little while and come back. And he's wearing this Hawkeye shirt over his Husker shirt. And I said, no, 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 no. I said, get that off of him. And <clears throat> now, full disclosure, my sister was like, got really upset and emotional and started crying. I didn't know that she had pretty much just come from a funeral. Um, so I, I looked like yes. the jerk. Uh, but I, I think the point was made clear. We don't put my son in Iowa Hawkeye gear. Period. So. I, you made that abundantly clear. I thought so. I mean, Christmas was effectively ruined. From, from, from you know, the- I'll say this about Iowa fans. Nebraska and Iowa fans have one thing in common. They both can't stop thinking about Husker football. <laughs> they can't. I've yet to meet an Iowa fan that supports their own program with the same fervence that they display in hating Nebraska. In six months from now, I think it's a safe bet to say that when order is restored in the Nebraska-Iowa rivalry, that Iowa fans for a very long time into the future are going to be pining for the days, the Nebraska teams of 2015 to 2018 that they beat and beat up on. Because if you were to meet, and I'm not sure they exist, but if you were to meet a logical, reasonable Iowa fan that knows football, I think that they would admit that last season, you know, them barely escaping with a 31-28 win over us, that they would admit that that's a harbinger of things to come from on their end. That we closed the gap very quickly against Iowa. You know, we went from being beat by them 40 to 10 in 2016, 56 14 in 2017, to closing a 42 point gap in one year. One year after we looked completely outclassed by Iowa, we were right there with them at the end. If that game would have gone to overtime, if their kicker would have missed that field goal, there ain't a snowball's chance in hell that they would have stopped our offense from only 25 yards out. They got theirs last year. You know, we didn't execute when it mattered. But I don't foresee Iowa beating us for a while. I'm excited that, that we, we're going to spend a few minutes here at the end of the show talking Husker football because the two words that you used all last year from start to finish of that 4-8 and eight campaign, you want to give them or you want me to give them? Yeah, you go ahead and do the honor. Incremental improvement. Mm-hmm. But what you just uh, explained there, you know, the the year-to-year 2017-2018 to Nebraska-Iowa game, that was not incremental improvement. That was vast uptick in the way the game of football is played. Mm-hmm. It, it, uh, we closed a big gap. I mean, in 2017 – you know, you can point to, hey, we have better recruiting classes than Iowa. We got better facilities. We got better resources. But in 2017, we looked completely outclassed, just flat out embarrassed on the field on Black Friday that year. A year late, you know, 364 days later, you know, we put together a team that was right there with them. And that was the product of incremental improvement that was made over the offseason, fall camp, you know, and through 11 games before that. And, you know, that loss stung. I mean, it sucked. I felt physically sick for, you know, the next 36 hours. But at the same time, it was like, holy shit, we closed the gap here. And, you know, if we can ratchet it down, you know, or ratchet it up, you know, buckle down against the run this year, and trust our DBs to cover, you know, one-on-one and man coverage while be being able to put seven, eight guys in the box. Man, we're gonna we're gonna get over on Iowa and with our offense and their inability to defend Adrian Martinez. I think we could lay a pretty good one on them this year. I'd also be happy with a one-point win, <laughs> just win. But you know, I, uh... I we came a long way and. Uh, I've yet to meet an Iowa fan who says, yeah, you guys, you know, look pretty good in that game, even though you lost. 
they all say things like, oh, we let off the gas. Uh-huh. You let off the gas? I, I, I want to just touch on, on briefly on something you, you said there when you said you'd be happy if, if you win by – or if Huskers win by one point. Uh, it, it doesn't have to be a 50-burger, although it could be technically 50 to 49, whatever. Um, I'd love to drop half a hundred on them. I've got the shirt ready. As soon as that happens, that one's going to go live on uh, the store, jitterymonkey.com slash shop. Um, but uh, got to go back to, I want to say it was the Blues versus the San Jose Sharks, but it might have been the Dallas Stars. I'm uh, texting my buddy who's a big hockey fan, although he's not a, necessarily a Blues fan. And uh, I said, man, I really just want to beat these guys, you know, 6 nothing or something like that. He said, ah, he said a 2-1 to one win will do just as good. <laughs> So, you know, the the win column doesn't care about the final score as long as, you know, our team has more than their team, you know. Let me tell you, though, I would love nothing more than to go out on, you know, the night of Black Friday this upcoming year after the game is over and wander into, you know, a few established establishments in West Omaha that I'm known to frequent where there's usually quite a few Iowa fans. And I would love to be sitting there my Husker sweatshirt on and just kind of bask in the, uh, in the glory and the, you know, comfort of knowing that we, you know, put a country ass whooping on. Oh yeah. I want to be able to, you know, hop on Twitter and use words like took him out by the woodshed, you know, things like that. Like you said, those, those old country. Hmm. Scorched earth. Oh, that's, that's one we haven't, uh, we haven't brought that one up too much here. Well, we haven't had a real good reason to. Um, Gosh, you know, I uh, I banned myself from attending Nebraska-Iowa games because I was at the 2013 game that we lost 38-17 when Bo threw his hat at the ref. I was at the 2015 game when it was colder than Billy Hill, and uh, we lost 28-20. I was at the 2016 game in Iowa City when we couldn't stop Akram Wadley if our lives depended on it. And so after that, I was like, I'm sitting Iowa, Nebraska-Iowa games out. I'm, I'm returning to Lincoln this year for that one. And uh, I hope that's a very hostile crowd. I hope it's, hope it's cold and nasty. I hope it's good Big Ten football weather. And I hope we're just up something like 21 nothing at the end of the first quarter. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be mad at that at all. Um, here's a, a, a quick little note just came across. Uh, Tanner Farmer. I don't know if you saw this. It it literally just just hit. I think the Slack chat room. Uh, but the Winnipeg Bombers of the Canadian Football League have uh, have added Tanner Farmer to Good their for him. to their roster. So you know, I'm kind of. Kind of shocked that he didn't latch on with an NFL team based on his body of work last year as the starting center and then his weight room and testing numbers at Pro Day. But, you know, a lot of guys make the transition from Canadian ball to the NFL. So, you know, a guy keeps working. Anything's possible. I Man, I wish we had another year of him as our starting center. I think maybe they moved him to center too late. Yeah, he should have been a center much earlier in his career. He, I mean, if you get a you know really split hairs here, um, he should have been our starting center from day one last mm-hmm. season. And just because I mean, he saw what happened when Cole Conrad got hurt and Farmer had to take over the starting center position, things started clicking. It started coming together. You know, you got – you know, Farmer was strong enough at the center position to base up against a nose guard. You brought in an athletic and very strong guard, Bo Wilson, who allowed you to do all sorts of things with traps and counters and, you know, running power. And that offensive line gelled together pretty damn good by the end of the year. And I'm hoping that, you know, this year with quote-unquote, you know, upgrades and athleticism, along the offensive line at the left guard, you know, left guard spot. And, you know, it's no disrespect to Tanner Farmer, but Cam Jurgens is, you know, an explosive sudden athlete. 
I hope those guys can work out the kinks in fall camp and, you know, be ready to rock by August 31st. I think it would have been beneficial to him and the team, perhaps if Tanner Farmer was the starting center from you know his, his entire career. Yeah, I, I I definitely think that he should have been a center his entire career instead of a guard. So. Well, that's uh, can't do anything about that except debate and discuss, but you can't change the past. That's what they tell me. Since we've been on the topic of rivalry games and opposing fans of said rivals, I just want to say this about the Colorado game. Oh, yeah, which you are going to. Which I'm going to. Uh, September the 7th, I will be at Folsom Field, and I cannot be more excited. I am pumped. But when you, you know, I see so many Colorado fans on Twitter, you know, saying things like, oh, you know, they're going to. They beat us in Frost debut, and now they're going to beat us again in Boulder and Mel Tucker's, you know, Folsom Field debut, all that stuff. But when you get right down to it, they did not beat us so much as we beat ourselves. We rushed for 316 yards. We held them to 44 yards rushing. We sacked Montez seven times. We had one less first down than them yet we gained 170 more yards in total offense. When you get right down to it, the biggest thing in that game was the three turnovers that we committed and they capitalized on, and we couldn't stop LaVisca Chenault. That's more than fair. The guy put on a Roy Williams 2002 performance. But when you look at it and you go, another year development for us, they're going to be breaking in a new head coach. That one could... uh, I want to turn ugly for old CU. Well, not only that, but let's not forget that they tweaked a, a, our quarterback's knee, mm-hmm. you know, which kept him out, you know, took him out of that game and kept him out of the following game or two. I can't remember now. Uh, uh, he missed, yeah, he missed Troy. He missed the Troy game. He's oh, back right. for the he Michigan came, game, came but back. he was not 100%. No. Um, I don't think he was 100% again all season. I mean, he was probably 85, 90%, but the rest of the year, he did not have the speed that he had in that Colorado game. He's still fast. Oh, yeah, I mean, he's got that going for him, you could say. Um, but, you know, I, I I keep thinking, you know, well, like, on the top of Jacob Collier's tackle on Martinez, I think he initially got hurt on the actual tackle when he wasn't on the ground yet, because we ran a little bit of a quarterback sweep to the right and he kind of got folded awkwardly backward like you see you see quarterbacks get tackled like that pretty often on those plays so I think the initial injury happened there but Jacob Collier twisting his leg while on the ground at the bottom of the pile there's no room for that in football now does the kid you know Jacob Collier deserve death threats hell no but nonetheless it was still a cheap play and I have a feeling that, you know, we haven't forgotten. And I think you'll see that on the field in Boulder on September 7th. I think they're going to whoop ass. Um, and and on top of that, you're going to that game. I know for a fact I'm going to the game two weeks after that at Illinois. Uh, you know, it, there's no reason that this team shouldn't be 4-0 when they host Ohio State. And honestly – with the dynamic playmakers that they have, uh, with you know Scott Frost at the helm, the, I mean, I know you're comfortable at eight and four, and you're not seeing anything yet that'll make you waver yeah. from that. Um, as I look at, at the schedule here, I see two that concern me, but I'm not really willing to call either one of them a loss. Well, outside of Ohio State, like on paper, looking at the schedule, outside of Ohio State, I have a hard time picking out three more teams that we could lose to. I'm just kind of hedging on the side of, well, we're still pretty young. Um, you know, weird. It's college football. Weird things happen. But when it, when I look at it on paper, I'm like, God, outside of Ohio State, do you really, you know, 
three more games. I mean, Wisconsin's always going to concern me until we get over on Wisconsin. Sure. Uh, that road trip to Purdue could be interesting. I fully anticipate that being one hell of a shootout in West Lafayette on November 2nd. The trip to Minnesota, I think, will could potentially decide the West Division title. But, you know, then you got Northwestern that, you know, is the Twilight Zone game. Just weird shit happens. Right. And, you know, I don't want to dignify Iowa at all, but, you know, I have, you know, I fully anticipate that they'll be strapped up and ready to play on Black Friday. You know, Kirk Ferentz does a good job of having his guys prepared. But eight and four is where I'm at right now. But if we get, you know, start four and oh, I'm going to be drinking the Kool-Aid a little bit more. I'm going to be thinking to myself, logically, we start 4-0. Do I really think we're going to finish 4-4 down the stretch? Let me ask you this one. What happens if we start 5-0? If we start 5-0, we better come out the next week against Northwestern with our shit strapped on tight and ready to rock because I don't want to see us have a letdown game against Northwestern and Lincoln. If we're 5-0, we're a top-10 team. Yeah, you'd have – yeah, top 10 or at the very least just on the outside looking in 11 or 12. I uh, I can't remember where I saw it, and I'm sure it was discussed in Slack and, and probably on coordination as well, but uh, one national writer had Nebraska in the playoffs, in the college football playoffs. I saw that, and let me tell you, the old ticker might have skipped a few beats. <laughs> Is it weird uh, when – I don't know if it's good or bad, positive or negative effect when the national it, it almost likes it puts a hex on us, you know. Like when when they start picking it, I I've said before I like when Nebraska, you know, has that underdog mentality. And you know, that's not a mentality they had in the 90s, but as I've said before, I wasn't paying attention in the 90s. Uh I was out riding my bikes and playing Nintendo. Uh so I wasn't paying attention to Husker football or any football for that matter um so i that's not obviously not the mentality that the team or program had 25 years ago 20 years ago even probably but yeah 2019 i don't mind that underdog expect less receive more type of you know mentality well like i said you know on black friday 2017 after the game was over ready to, you know, reboot this entire thing, wipe the slate clean, no more dogmatic pretenses attached to Husker football, you know, a true tried and true rebuild, you know, we're not just putting in new countertops and maybe a guest room. I mean, we're tearing this thing down to the studs and, you know, the found we're repouring the foundation. And if it starts with a, you know, let's build and, you know, be under the radar and then, you know, earn, you know, good publicity and earn our way in. I'm all for that because that's the, you know, the path forward is, you know, doing those things, you know, kind of going through some hard times like we did going four and eight last year and trying to come out the other side. It's like Andy Dufresne swimming through 500 yards in a river of shit in uh, Shawshank Redemption. And, you know, I think we're coming out on the other side of that. And I think we'll really have something this fall if the offensive line coalesces, if the defensive line coalesces, and if we get some pass rushers developed. Things that, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see. We talked, obviously, earlier about incremental improvement. We'll see how it goes and as the team continues to improve in the offseason, hit the weight room, hit the, uh, uh, you know, getting that proper nutrition in and – we're at the end of May, which means that, in all honesty, spring camp or uh, summer camp's not far away. Fall practice is just a, a shade after that. So, Hoss, it feels like a long off season. Ninety-six me, days, man. It's it, it, you know, like like this. It's uh, somebody explained uh, being a parent, uh, you know, th- th- this way, and I think it goes for the off season as well. Long days, short years. You know, oh yeah, the days are long, the years are short. I mean, black, last Black Friday, I remember right after that game was over, I looked up how many more days till August thirty first, <laughs> and it was at two hundred seventy eight. And now we're at ninety six, and uh, you know we're we're chugging along. 
it'll it'll really hit the brakes around fourth of july and then the summer will drag on forever and it'll be hotter than hell and you know well but we'll do our part folks to entertain you each and every week here on the five heart podcast and uh, i encourage you to kind of be part of the show uh i threw it out this morning didn't know if i'd have any takers uh ended up not having any takers but that's okay i said hey this is what we know we're talking about it was basketball you know banning of the oklahoma drill one thing in there that uh, we missed because I couldn't find anything to corroborate my story, uh, but we talked about some Nebraska football, so nobody was complaining. Um, and I said, hey, if if you got a thought on any of these topics, let us know. Or if you have a topic to add, let us know. Anything uh, anything that you all want to uh, us to discuss or bring up here on the show, don't hesitate to drop it in the comments or uh, leave a voicemail on our Google Voice number, 402 402- three two seven one eight three zero we'll play it next week on the air or on the show and uh yeah that's it that, that's all i have 402-327-1830 john always makes sure that uh, i post that in all the posts so that everybody can see that but save it in your phone put coronation on there or the five heart podcast and uh and then when you get drunk and you're watching nebraska baseball and you just want to celebrate or you know cry we're here for you as Haas has said numerous times, this is our therapy. It can be yours as well. Haas. And John just responded to our private messages. What did he say? He said, uh, yeah, at 10.05. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I think he's going to miss this one. Um, sorry, John. We, we missed you. But we'll be back next week here on the Five Heart Podcast for myself, uh, Greg Mahashko, Haas Reuter, and an absent John Dam Johnston who decided that 10 o'clock was the best time to look at Slack. We remind you this week and every week that five heart is all the heart you need. Go Big Red. Hoss? Win the damn off season. This is a production of the Jittery Monkey Podcast Network. For more jittery shenanigans, go to jitterymonkey.com.